well, in our household, we've uh, been watching the Olympics. Are there folks out there that are watching the Olympics? It's pretty awesome. Yeah, Randall's like, yeah, yeah, it's totally awesome. I love watching the Olympics. I love watching the athletes, snowboarding, the, the ski jumping. Uh, I um, have a bit of a confession, though. Um, I cannot watch figure skating. I know some people are going to start booing me or something. And uh, the reason why is I know people love figure skating, right? It's prime time. It's a top shelf event. When I watch figure skating, I get so stressed because when they jump, I just like, I want everyone to do well. And I like, I, when they fall, I just like, you know, I can't. So if I'm watching figure skating, often I'm standing up and sort of behind the couch because it's just so stressful. So anyway, if you like figure skating, that's great. You know, the Lord love you, bless you. Um, for me, short track and, you know, biathlon, you know, those are all great. But I just can't. Anyway, I was reflecting on the Olympics because those are some of the best athletes in the world. And they don't just get to the Olympics by accident. They get to the Olympics because they have trained. They have exercised. They have practiced when nobody watches them. And over and over and over again, they exercise, they train their body, they train their mind, they prepare, they do all this stuff that people don't see in order for their athleticism to shine in the Olympic Games. And I was thinking about all that practice and all that exercise that athletes do in relationship to a season that we are going to enter into as a whole church. And this new series, which we're starting, is called The 11th Hour. And just like an Olympic athlete practices or exercises, this is a season for us to exercise or practice. But it's not jumping or skiing fast. We are going to exercise and practice prayer. If you've been around GRX for a while, we usually take a season and call it 40 days of prayer. And what I'm going to do, and I'll explain more next week, is we're calling this series 11th hour because I'm going to invite us as a church to pray at 11 o'clock for this next season. You can pick a.m., 11 o'clock a.m., or 11 o'clock p.m., or both, kind of your choice. But I found that it's helpful for all of us to do something together. I know it helps some of us to practice. And so as an exercise or a practice, um, we're going to do that. And I'll, sh- I'll share more about that next week. But what we're doing, um, and the reason we're doing this, and we do 40 days of prayer, we're combining it with something that is practiced largely in the church all over the world, and it's a season called Lent. And if, if you could put the next slide up, please. Um, Lent and prayer are what we're going to do for the next 40 days. And Lent is a season that runs from February 14th, which is, happens to be Valentine's Day this year. So February 14th, all the way through April 1st, which is 
Easter Sunday. And we'll be focusing on prayer, like our regular 40 days of prayer. And we'll do it through the season of Lent. Now, if you've heard of Lent, that's great. But if you've never heard of Lent, that's, that's okay too, because it's kind of an old term. It's an old term that actually comes from... Um, actually, can the, can the previous slide still be up there? That's great. Um, it, it comes from a term, Lenten, which is an old English term. And it basically means spring or springtime. But it's 40 days, and it's the season before Easter. And within the life of the church, it is like Advent that leads up to Christmas. So as Advent leads us up into Christmas, the four weeks of Advent leads us into Christmas. The 40 days of Lent uh, lead us into Easter. And it's oftentimes when people who were thinking about becoming followers of Jesus would pray and examine their lives and prepare for baptism on Easter Sunday. So that's just a little background of a Lent. We've been doing 40 days of prayer or 30 days of prayer, the month of prayer. And so we are going to continue with our practice of prayer and combine it um, with Lent. And that's why we're actually doing something new this year, which is the Ash Wednesday service, which is what you see in the bulletin. So we're going to kick off our 40 days of prayer on Wednesday with the Ash Wednesday service. And you're like, ashes? What's that? Well, in the Bible, in Scripture, a time of reflection and particularly confession and repentance are accompanied by ashes. By, by burnt ashes, the, 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 the black sooty stuff. So we'll do a little something with ashes on Wednesday, and we'll have a service, prayer. We'll have a time of gratitude and then a time of confession. We'll be worshiping together, singing songs, reading scripture, and that's Wednesday night. And we've, we've never done that before together as GRX Church, but perhaps if you come from other church traditions, that might be familiar to you. And so we're going to be doing that, not here, we'll be doing that at the Ministry Center, which is in Santa Clara, and um, that's where our church offices are. So that's the season that we're getting into. Now for today's message, as Lent begins on Wednesday, for today's message, it's titled, Less is More. Less is More. It might seem like a little bit of a random title, but the reason uh, will become clear in the message. I'm going to challenge our church. And the challenge of our church is going to be to give up something for the season of Lent in order to take on prayer and a deeper connection with God. That in these 40 days, as we're thinking about prayer, to actually give up something for Lent. And some people might have even done this practice as a spiritual practice before, where they actually give up something for 40 days and practice that to take on something else. Now, now, why would we do something like this? Why would we pray, and then why would I also consider asking us as a challenge to give up something? What is the connection between prayer and giving up something? Um, so I'm going to go through... Uh, four points, very briefly, for the message about why, why am I act 
asking us to do this. Why would we give up something in order to enhance our prayer life? Why would we refrain from doing something? Uh, why would we do this? And why, we, why would we do this now? So briefly, um, four points. The first one is that when we read Scripture, that prayer and giving up something, particularly fasting or refraining from food, is actually something that is fairly common that we see in Scripture. We see it both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. And perhaps us, we're not so used to giving up stuff. Um, I mean, especially living in the Bay Area, living in the United States, like we have such a wealth of stuff and, you know, access to so many things. The practice of refraining from something might feel a little bit uh, foreign. Um, But within Scripture and in the early church, you see people praying and then fasting, as in refraining from food for a a time or a particular season. Um, And you see God speaking to people through that dual practice of prayer and fasting. I'm going to read a few scriptures here for us just to illustrate this and show how the story of Jesus followers or God followers combines prayer and fasting. In Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, we see the early church gathered and you see how prayer and fasting are combined. Now there were in the church at Antioch, this is an early church community in the city of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manea, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who was also the apostle Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, refraining from food, the Holy Spirit said, quote, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And this is Paul and Barnabas launching into a missional journey to go and plant churches. And so you had the early church, you had the early church community. They were worshiping together and and they were praying together and they were also fasting. It talks about fasting two times in these three verses. And in that, they created this space and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, do this in mission, set aside Barnabas and Paul. Later on in the, chap- in the book of Acts, in chapter 14, verse 23, it also talks about prayer and fasting. Also with respect to Paul and Barnabas. I'm going to read a couple of verses just before, before we get to 23. And then I'll read 23. Now, when they, Paul and Barnabas, had preached the gospel to the city that they were in, because they, were, they had at this point been sent out, and made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they were returning back through these different cities and then they were returning back to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, that's as they were going through Lystra and Iconium, 
they, as they had appointed elders, leaders in all these churches, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They committed them to the Lord. They had chosen for them leadership team people, their LT. And then they left their church and said, you guys go for it. And we're going to pray and fast and bless you. That's what they were doing in the early church. That's what the church was doing. In the Old Testament, we see fasting coming up in prayer in the book of Nehemiah. In the story of Nehemiah, you have someone who is, uh, gets news that the city of Jerusalem, the holy city of Jerusalem, gets laid waste in ruin. And as Nehemiah in the Old Testament hears this news, he prays with fasting. Nehemiah 1.3 begins this, and then I'll read Nehemiah 1.4 about prayer and fasting. But Nehemiah 1.3 says, The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The holy city of Jerusalem has been laid waste. And then Nehemiah responds to this horrible news that Jerusalem got destroyed. And, And it says this in Scripture. As soon as I, Nehemiah, heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and prayer before the God of heaven. And what strikes me about this is that here in the, New, in, in the New Testament, you had this kind of worshipful, celebratory season where, uh, and they were like, God, what do you want to do? How should we participate in mission? And in worship and prayer and fasting, they sent people off to mission. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah is in a season of sorrow, of weeping, of grief. And in grief and in sorrow, he seeks God, but it's prayer and fasting together. And it tells me that wherever we are in the different seasons of life that we're in, whether joyful or in sorrow, that God has a place for us. And prayer and fasting are a part of that relationship that we have with God. The last one I'm going to share is out of Exodus, and it's Exodus chapter 34 and 28. And this is the famous scene where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And in this, the Lord said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, was fasting in communion with God, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So that's just a brief survey of prayer and fasting, Old Testament, New Testament, and that's one of the reasons I'm inviting us and challenging us to refrain from something, to enhance our our communication with God, our life of prayer. The second thing about this, briefly, is season. The season of Lent, 40 days, is our opportunity to focus. Just like Advent is our opportunity to focus on Christmas, Lent is our opportunity to focus on Easter and to reorient our lives to God and to pray. And we were talking about this as staff, and staff has actually been talking about this with KidZone, about 40 days of prayer and say, we're going to do this thing, 40 days of prayer. And so they were talking about it with some of the kids. 
And one of the kids said, what? 40 days of prayer? Why are we doing 40 days of prayer? I pray every day. Shouldn't we pray every day? Why are you only talking about 40 days of prayer? And I was like, wow, that's cool, right? Out of the mouth of babes. So kids own, they're praying all the time. But I know sometimes for as adults, it's a little tough. It's struggle. There's a lot of busyness. There's a lot of responsibility. And so 40 days of prayer, it gives us an opportunity as a whole church to focus. We can do this together. The third thing, the reason why I'm challenging us to consider giving up something, is our affections. First point was about scripture. Second point was about this is our season. The third point is about our affections. Using our desires. Refraining from something, choosing to give up something for Lent in order to use our bodies and our desires in order to remind us to turn back to God. Because if we refrain from something, we will at some point begin to desire or crave that thing. And when we desire and crave that thing, it can remind us to turn our desire and our affection towards God. We would use our sense of need to remind us of our need for God. We would use our need for this thing and turn it back to our need for God. It's like a little bit of a small alert. Like if for Lent, the next 40 days, you say, okay, I'm going to give up coffee. I'm not even going to give up decaf coffee. I'm going to give up full caffeinated coffee, full leaded, unleaded. I'm going to give up coffee. And then in the morning, by not having a cup of coffee, which would be part of the regular routine, it would disrupt that routine for the season and go, oh, instead of preparing my coffee, I'm going to remember to pray. And then take that time to pray. To intentionally pray rather than to intentionally have a cup of coffee. It's that kind of thing. Is coffee bad? No, coffee is not bad. But it uses my affections or my behavior or my patterns of life to reorient back to God. To use our bodies to enhance and cultivate our souls. Now, um, I have permission to tell this story, but I've been thinking about this for a while. And every once in a while, I'll throw out some of my different ideas to, to my kids. And as some of you might know, I have two teenagers in my home right now. Teenagers have an incredible uh, ability, gifting, to be able to speak poignantly um, to something. And so I was thinking, well, this was several weeks ago, I'm thinking, well, should I ask, should I challenge GRX to give up something for Lent? And, you know, what should we do? And I said, you know, there's all these, you can, you can say these other things. You can say, oh, give up coffee, or, you know, I'm going to give up broccoli, or I'm going to give up, you know, and... And I said, or I can, I can try to push the line a little bit. And I could say, you know, I could ask, yeah, I'm talking to my kids in the car. And I said, you know, I could ask GRX to give up something hard. I could, I, maybe I could ask them to give up something out of the box. Like 
What if I asked them to give up complaining? And from the back seat, my daughter shoots back, that's something you should give up. I, I, I'll let you know, I have not decided yet what I'm going to give up for Lent, okay? <laughs> so I have not decided yet. And, and if you haven't decided yet, that's okay, too, because then you're in the same boat. All right? So why do you give up? I mean, you give up something. You give up something. Turn what you... Okay, you got to get that. Last thing, less is more. And that's the message, right? Less is more. The idea is that less of X equals more of Y. And in everyday life, I think this dynamic of less is more is actually present. See if any of these things resonate with you. Less screen time leads to more engagement with people. Less complaining leads to more joy. Less driving leads to more peace of mind. Less stuff leads to more space to rest. Less fatty foods like donuts, you know who I'm talking to, leads to more energy. So less of X leads to more of Y. And maybe you can fill that out in however. And what I'm proposing is that less of X would lead to more connection with God. When you're missing X, when your body or mind is longing for X, we use that to remind ourselves to reconnect with God, to be mindful of God, to pray, to be aware of God's presence right where we are when we're craving that thing. So that's the turn. That's why we would practice, and that's why we'd practice that challenge. So the challenge and the application is to give up something for Lent, to take on prayer and connection with God. And the question, and only you can decide this, is what will you give up or have less of in order to take on more of God? It's not legalism. It's not about legalism. And I'm not going to be like checking up on people and, 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 you know, it's not pharisaical that way. It's an idea to intentionally give up something. It's like a, a free will offering. It's like an exercise for an Olympic athlete in order to strengthen our souls and connect more with God.